Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw. This is episode number... 20. 20. Big 2-0. Big 2-0. How mad. Yes, Who would have thought? Yes sir, no thought? longer a teenager. Nah, we're, we, we, are, we're young adulting right yep. now. And it's a big, big episode. Oh my God. It's some big football This dude. morning, before we even thought about recording today, who would have thought? Chelsea have part ways with Tommy T. And not even parted ways. They sacked him. They sacked him. He's gone. Todd Bowley on crud. Yeah, I mean... Whoa. I think there's a few elements that we need to kind of like go into. This and could be a four-hour podcast, yeah. you know. Yeah, it actually could be. It could be. Because we're be going to do one. the Prem results as well. So if you're a fan of any team that caught a dub over the weekend, stick around. We will talk about your team. But we've got to talk about Chelsea and... Tommy T first. Thomas Tuchel is, I think I saw a tweet that he survived in the Chelsea job like 19 days longer than Lampard. He's been outlasted by Gerard at Villa. It's crazy. Who would have thought? I mean, I can't get around my head to be honest. I can't get my head around it. I'm frazzled. Yeah, I think there's a few elements we need to dissect. One being the new ownership, Tom Bowley. Another being kind of the 250 million plus that they spent over the weekend uh, I don't know why I kept over saying- the weekend over the window <laughs> that was a big, big weekend, weekend. Oh, no, do you know what though I kept, in the last podcast I kept saying 300 million I don't know where I got that from so I do I think it, it was like I think it is like 280-ish isn't it and then like their net is like 220 mm. but um, yeah so one element is the ownership one is just the fat spend and then one is kind of like their poor results and the football they're playing We'll go. We'll start with the poor results in the football they're playing because we kind of brought this up in last week's podcast that for a while now they haven't been able to buy a goal and like they've had their striker issues. They've played Havertz there. That's not worked. They brought Sterling in. He's got a couple of goals, but like their front line isn't working. They got Aubameyang in to link up with Thomas Tuchel and he's out the door. I see all the tweets of like Aubameyang saying, "I'm so happy to work with Thomas Tuchel again." Fifty-nine minutes or fifty-eight <laughs> minutes. Such an L. Such an L. But yeah, so they last week we were saying that it can't all be down to the players. Like Thomas Tuchel's got to take some responsibility for kind of maybe their play style just isn't isn't right. Maybe they've been found out. Yeah. I mean, because like Thomas Tuchel, his teams are very well renowned for being defensively very good. It's a very much build up from the back yeah. kind of process. Well, that's um, like when he first came in, they were like impossible to score against. They conceded what like. I think like five goals in like 18 games. It was crazy. Yeah. And now you look at the team and it looks like a shell of themselves. Leaking goals. And, and they spent whether that's from million on defenders. So. Yeah. Whether that's from Rudiger leaving, because we know how pivotal he was and how yeah, good he is. I, I think he's gone under the radar. I think they thought, oh yeah, we'll get Koulibaly in and that'll replace him. Not a chance. But the weirdest thing for me is how do you give a manager that much money to spend and then don't give him the time to work with the players he's brought in? Yeah, because they bought in good players. They're not. They're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not shifters. scraping the barrel. Yeah, of players. no, no, they're good. They've players. got the likes of Kukurea, who's a brilliant player, Koulibaly, who's been and doing it for Napoli for years, yeah. and was one of the best prospects, uh, not prospects, but one of the best defenders in Europe at yeah. points. Um, they bought in Sterling. Need we say yeah, more? World class player. Do you know what I mean? Like they bought in. One of my favourite memes is like um, Kukurea when he sees Graham Potter walk through the door. <laughs> He's like. That's so funny. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, they've the recruitment's been good, but I think what I've seen float around on kind of like forums and stuff is that how is there a plan in these transfers? Like, 
So they got rid of Petacek, who was the director of football, and um, he so, was apparently massively important. I yeah, think, um, and so I think Thomas Tuchel ended up getting involved a lot more in like the upstairs of Chelsea in the selection of transfer targets. And I think that wasn't what he wanted to do. And I think between them, there's been kind of like a loss of direction in their transfer strategy and kind of where they want themselves as a club to go. Because like they've made these big profile signings like um, Sterling, like Kukurea. Like Fafana. Fafana, yeah. They spend so much money. Mate, but then they've so also, much. at the same time, brought like that Cesare Kasady, um, Omari Hutchinson, Chukwameka. So they're doing two things at the same time. They're like recruiting youngsters, but then also going big. And you're playing long term, you're playing short term. There's like a weird kind of. It's easy to forget as well there. about the Chelsea loan farm situation. Yeah, it's crazy. Where they have like 400,000 football players on their books and. 399,000 of them are out on loan. Yeah. Um, and they've let players like Gilmore go. Well, I saw James Lauren Alcott made a good Hudson point on Adoy that. potentially. And it's like, if the plan was to get rid of Tuchel, and that's the plan for a while, why did you let the likes of Gilmore, Levi Colwell, um, Hudson Adoy, why are you leaving, letting those players leave when if you're bringing in a long-term manager like Graham Potter... He's going to need those players. They're the players, the exact kind of players that he would work with and make get the best out of. So either there was no plan to get rid of Tuchel uh, and this was kind of like a spur of the moment kind of Todd Bowley going a bit nuts, Russia blood to the head. Talk about Arteta later. But um, yeah, it's either Russia blood to the head from Todd Bowley or he's planned it for a while, but his football IQ isn't... He's getting, in my opinion, humble opinion, he's getting too involved in the downstairs he should just as shit as it sounds just pump them with money and let someone that's got a football IQ kind of deal with the running of the club because he's never engaged with a football club before he doesn't really know the nuances of it like you can't just sign the best players exactly he's going about it like it's like a 11 year old kid on FIFA career mode oh 100% and there's no apparently these are just rumours but apparently one of the reasons he uh Sack Tuchel was because Tuchel uh, was against the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, and which it sounds it sounds completely plausible because yeah, yeah. you can imagine a big rich investor coming in big, being like, American "I dog. want Ronaldo, I want Cristiano Ronaldo, Sui, Sui." Um, but <laughs> but yeah, it just yeah, like and it is. Tuchel's got, probably like, "Nah, he's a little bit past him." Mate, you've got a manager money. like Tuchel who's done. Like unbelievably well, I, like he had one of the best impacts coming into that managerial role. Yeah, that like, it could as have possibly happened. Short term impact for like gain because they were dire under Lampard, mate. He and got they, end of the season they won the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly what you want from like a manager swap, a bounce that leads you to fucking silverware. But did his bounce run out? Is that like because we know it wasn't a bounce because he was they were consistently good and yeah, they were yeah. hard to beat and even when Lukaku didn't work out they were still scoring goals yeah and they were getting good results against hard teams and you know they made it quite far in a lot of uh, competitions yeah and a uh, of finals last year yeah exactly so it wasn't a bad season at all but now they're looking f- like you're looking towards someone like Graham Potter. He's very much a project manager. You see what he's done at Brighton. They didn't have initially the best success. Yeah. Um, but So you're not entirely sold on the Graham Potter to Chelsea idea? I you? think if you get Graham Potter in, you've got to give him five years. 
which just won't happen at Chelsea. Not a chance. And even still, Graham Potter's done very well for Brighton. I think he is an exceptional manager. Yeah. But there is a very good possibility that he cannot manage in a club as big as Chelsea. Yeah, with, the egos are different. high-profile yeah, players yeah. like at likes of Chelsea. Yeah. Um, because if you look at Tuchel's record at PSG, the reason he was he left was because he was losing the dressing room. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying Chelsea are players like Mbappe and Neymar. But Chelsea are renowned as far as English clubs go for like being like a player-run club. Like the players decide, always call the shots after a while. And like we said this early doors in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, that Chelsea are always like a year or two away from calamity. And yeah, it's very when, much like it goes good, 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 and then just explodes. And we're at a stage now where the players are just turning on the manager, not playing for him. Kind of happened to Frank Lampard, happened to Conte, happened to Jose Mourinho, happened to Maurizio Sarri. It's all down to the Conte handshake. This is where it all went wrong. I think it might be. Did it? Did it wobble him in the inside? I don't know. Apparently, there was also rumours that the way he acted on the training ground, the way he spoke to players as well, wasn't sort of ideal for a manager. But he, the guy, the guy is clearly a tactical genius. He is yeah, a phenomenal manager. manager. He is, if not at the level of Klepp and, uh, Klopp and Pep, mm. he is Klepp. not far off. Oh, Klepp. Klepp, the top dogs. But he's not far off. He's he's probably in the same bracket as like an Antonio Conte for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. He's definitely and in like Southgate, probably. top like ten managers in the world. Oh, hundred percent. And um, you not saying Graham Potter wouldn't go there and smash it. He's probably my favourite. If I was a Chelsea fan, I'd want him. Because fuck having Pochettino, I don't think he's done enough, and I wouldn't be comfortable like a team that's won two Champions Leagues getting a manager that's bowled a Champions League final and then gone to PSG, struggled to win the league with them. I wouldn't be on that. And so for me, the only two options would really be Potter and Zidane. Zidane would be a phenomenal. I, I would. Love, can you imagine if we got a Zidane Premier, in the Premier League? Nice. Premier League with Zidane, Pep. Ten Hag, all the bald dons, all the bald dons, like a carton of eggs. What about Sean Dyche? Sean Dyche. (laughs) Well, I think that's what they're saying. If Potter goes to um, Chelsea, that is that just not can get Sean Dyche. To be fair though, Sean, we've never actually been able to see what Sean Sean Dyche Dyche could do. Yeah, with like a with with the team who yeah, and and actual like good quality players yeah, I'm not saying that Burnley didn't have good quality players I'm saying but it was very <laughs> much pragmatic <laughs> yeah. football whereas yeah, Brighton are very systematic and very um, progressive through the thirds yeah. so yeah it's interesting times I, the, the, I am worried though about a club which the new owner comes in and within like what has it been like two months they've had a fairly sticky run and they've invested heavily and the the, the, the owner's just gone on to the next one. Torboli does worry me. I think he came in and endeared himself to the fans by just splashing hella cash. But now that it's come down to... Because obviously he joined at a time where they couldn't do anything. So the best way to kind of endear yourself to the fans was being like, hey, I know you've lost Roman Abramovich, who used to pump you full of money. I'm just going to pump you full of money still, so don't worry about that. But now that it's come to actual football time, you can tell Roman Abramovich was a bit more clued up football-wise. Obviously, he ran the club for like near on 20 years. So after like, I don't know, like 10 years of learning, he had like a model that really suited him. He got like the director of football in, he got, what's that name? The contract lady, Marina or whatever she was called. Um, so he had like his system in place that worked for him. And you can tell Tobboli's come in and just been like, nah, fuck all of that. I'm going to do it my way. And he hasn't given himself that time to learn. 
it's a very much it, it feels like to me like a bit of like a american franchise sort of yeah. investment where like they go to like the mls and then a, a new team forms and they just pump it full of money yeah. and they sign all these players and then like you're like actually is that how you run a football club especially yeah. a club that wants to compete with the likes of a Liverpool or City in terms of how dominant they to have been over the last couple of years um, yeah it's just it's all a bit strange for me yeah it just hasn't surrounded himself with enough people that know football and that know Chelsea the third thing you want to do as an owner and I think that's what the new Newcastle owners did so well is that they came in and they surrounded themselves with the club they surrounded themselves with people that knew about football like like Amanda Stavely she's alright but she like kind of knows the scene and then she's got people that talk to her that know football where Todd Bowley has come in and kind of not really got to know the club hasn't really got anyone like why would you let Petr go he's like a club legend and a really good director of football for them why would you immediately come in and let him go makes no sense and just stuff like that kind of if I was a Chelsea fan would put me on edge about if he really does have like the best interest of the club at heart yeah 100% it's all it's all a bit ropey um, I just yeah I, and they haven't got like great fixtures coming up we spoke about this in our last podcast but if they do want to make a statement it has to be in the coming weeks Yeah, and I don't expect them to get worse without Tuchel but it could very much happen it could very much be I don't, who they got next week Um, I can tell you they have is it Fulham, Fulham. Yeah, they got Fulham yes. the early kickoff and I mean, and then Liverpool the week after. There's, I so. don't. I very much doubt they're going to get a manager in tomorrow. Oh yeah, we were saying that. We were saying that you, as a fan, you want kind of either shitters or someone on your level. You don't want a team that you should be beating, but are on really good form like Fulham. Yeah, exactly. They could pepper you. But I mean, if look. they lose, it will come down to oh, we don't have a manager. Yeah, exactly. The club's in transition. Yeah. But um, it is. It is a. It's a weird time to be a Chelsea fan. Um. Because if you, you're probably not happy with the results that Tuchel's been getting. But most of what I've been seeing is a very angry Chelsea fans saying, you need to stick by this guy. Because yeah. if you look what's out there in terms of managers, is there actually many better than Tuchel who you could actually feasibly like get to run to join your club? Yeah, no, I agree. I think the manager market is a little bit dry at the moment. And I think, like what you said, I do agree. I've seen quite a lot of people say, that they're quite upset with the sacking, maybe kind of not giving him enough time is the main issue about it. It's not even about the time. It's about the time to work with the players you just bought in. Yeah, you can't spend that much money and not give him half a season at least to bed them in. Yeah, apparently, um, this is more rumours, apparently he was very surprised when he was found, when he found out he was getting sacked. Oh, really? I guess everyone yeah, yeah, was, not good, especially not himself. Not a good email to receive. Himself. Apparently, Toboli called him, uh, uh, called him into a conference call with the hierarchy and then literally sacked him on the spot. L. Oh my god. Which just goes to, like stinks of like. If that is true, that is probably a horrific way to do it. Yeah. Um. But I I, I can see Tuchel going to another top club very quickly. Oh yeah. Well, that's an interesting topic. Maybe who who goes in for Tuchel? Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's but, a podcast for another day. But um, should we go on to last weekend's fixtures? We won't talk about Chelsea too much. I don't want any Chelsea fans crying in the comments. But um. Let us know who oh. you want if you're a Chelsea fan Before to be that, your next manager. I've also seen a tweet which really like got me thinking. Someone said this is a very Moyes-esque uh, signing to, like, for Man United. You know, when Moyes went from Everton to United and sort of like 
if Potter goes from Brighton to Chelsea, is that sort of in the same mould? Yeah, yeah. Someone that's done very good at a mid-table club that has kind of pedigree, but isn't given enough time at the big club to impart his identity and get sacked. Because we see Moyes, he's doing well now at uh, West Ham. Maybe, yeah. Watch his space. That's a shout. Potentially, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's we'll go on to, to Moyes' team now, actually. We'll talk about the Chelsea-West Ham game over the weekend. 2-1 win for Chelsea. Lucky. Fucking... So we can talk about two things. How Chelsea got the dub, but now have lost their manager. So that's weird as it is. Obviously, the Dynamo Zagreb result yesterday didn't help at all. Zagreb have done well against English Yeah, they look though. good. They do look good. Orsic is a player. but um, He scored like just bare goals against any English team he plays against. So Chelsea won 2-1 against West Ham over the weekend. But the game was just riddled. And the whole weekend was riddled if, with yeah. shambolic refereeing. VAR. It's it, so bad. I'm pretty sure they're just, just making it up as they go along now. I think when it came in, I was happy for it to come in and just do the little bits. Like if it's an offside call that Alino can't make and he's got it wrong. But they're literally like giving a referee the game to referee. He's making stinkers of a decision, but then they're just re-refereeing the game later. And it's like, either let the referee do his job or don't have a referee at all and just do well, it all from it, it Stockley Park. It was brought in to avoid clear and obvious errors. Yeah. And nothing that is given now is clear and obvious because that is given anyway. Yeah. It is literally coming down to like minuscule things. You see the new VAR in the Champions League where it's like they put like the wall there yeah, and you can see the like the, bits, got the tracker. Yeah. You can see like the bits of the player that's like actually through the wall which is yeah. the offside line. You're talking about like someone's like little toe could get them offside now Honestly. and it's just that that just isn't football. And the problem is even if you bring VAR in it still can't sort out the um subjective uh, calls so like the one we're going to go talk about now where West Ham scored an equaliser and basically Jared Bowen gets played through poor pass from Reese James and Jared Bowen's through and Mendy's coming out to get the ball Jared Bowen jumps over Mendy Mendy parries the ball because he can't really see because Jared Bowen's jumping over him so he parries it out to Maxwell Cornet who scores but then Mendy, who I think is a bit of a scumbag, he played, played it, it hard. Yeah. Which, to be fair, fair enough for him. If that's like, my team, I'm gassed. Mate, but... if I was on the opposite team, I'd run over and chin him because fuck me. Like, so he played that he got injured by Bowen jumping over him. Bowen just completely didn't touch him or anything, I don't think. Or maybe if he did, it was like the smallest nick. But you know what football players are like these days. But So he jumped over Mendy and then Cornet got in to score. The goal was given. That's what, And it was last minute as well. And West Ham buzzing, happy days. And then they go to Stockley Park, bearing in mind the ref has given this, and then they tell the ref to go and look at the monitor to see if Jared Bowen had like hit him on the way over and if he'd like feasibly injured Mendy. So he went to the monitor and then gives the foul, which I don't believe the referee thinks actually happened. But because the referee, if I remember rightly, I think he's like a new ref in the job that has only been there a couple of months. So he's probably got called on the phone or whatever the fuck they got, the headset, and been like, yo, you've made a stinker of a decision, in our opinion. Come and look at the monitor. And he's not backed himself enough. Because we saw earlier in, I think it was like earlier in the day, another referee, I think it was Michael Oliver, 
he got told to go to the monitor and normally when they go to the monitor they change their decision but he went to the monitor and didn't change his decision that's because he backed his decision and he backed his decision because he's a bit of a he's veteran got, he's referee got pe- pedigree whereas yeah. this ref I think he fumbled the bag and got like power tripped by the other refs at Stockley Park and in my opinion cost West Ham a good point I think if you're a West Ham family you are fuming because you you are a bad VAR decision away from having back to back draws with Tottenham and Chelsea yeah, two which, very is, good which is a very good result considering how sort of difficult the start to the season was 100%. for them um, but yeah just a stinky VAR decision and I like was, that David Moyes came out and he was like that is a I can't remember he said it was like a shambolic decision shambolic or something like that Wait, let's allow let's allow managers getting fined yeah because I, I want to hear what they actually think honestly and I know I, they've I got to be role models for like kids and whatever but let's do let them do an interview and then let's let them do an interview honestly because like, we yeah. said this a few months back that like that referee say so say they didn't get a good result against Spurs and then they got this loss and David Moyes got the sack that's all down to that referee and decision where maybe was, if they uh, got the Nigel draw Nigel Pearson who was talking about that wasn't exactly it? Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy that David Moyes could have been a result away from getting sacked. And maybe he kept Thomas Tuchel in the job for like a week longer by doing that. Potentially, yeah. So it's like yeah. one of those, it's like referees can play with managers' it's, jobs. Uh, it's like, all the ripple effect. It's mad that as like a refereeing corporation, you can come out and say your decision is wrong. And what is the benefit of doing that? Because all you're doing is rattling fans because you can't go out and change your result. They came out and said that both the results will stand regardless of... Like so that like, was in their official statement. You might as well just come out I and be they like... they can go back and be like, actually, we're going to replay the last <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes of the game. They've got literally no power to do that. So it's mad that you just come out, rattle the fans. You might as well just be like, that's our decision, no further comment, and let the fans get over it. Instead, what you've done is say, no, our lie. decisions are wrong. Or yeah, or just, just lie. lie. But just come, just come out and out. say, oh yeah, due to a technical error. But you can't just come out and be like, our decisions are wrong, and then down the line make more wrong decisions... And you're just rattling I people. Figured it out, yeah. Because they were in Stockley Park, right? And the game's happening at Stamford Bridge. The curvature of the earth Mad. is is Mad. affecting the VAR. Get angles. the tinfoil hats out. Come on, that's it. Conspiracy theory episode Woo. right here, right now. But yeah, no, that's a yeah, just a bad result for West Ham, unfortunately. And I don't think they played that bad. I no, think, I think they deserved one of their better performances this season. Yeah, at least a point. Um, and yeah, and Tuchel, you know. Maybe maybe stayed in the job for a couple of days longer, but it is no more. Yeah, I think so. Should we go on to the first uh, game of the weekend? Yeah, the early kick of the Merseyside derby. Oh. Stinker. Was it? It was, good, it was a good game, actually. But like a stinker of a result for Liverpool because they're used to every time Everton, they go to Everton or Everton come over to Liverpool or Everton or Liverpool, but come over to Anfield. They're used to battering Everton. Do you know what? Yeah, everyone had Everton written off at the beginning of the season. Yeah, we had like four nils in this game, and they've done very, very well. This is a good. That, in my opinion, they were the better team. They looked decent in the Chelsea game when they played Chelsea. Yeah, and uh, they come out a Liverpool team, and they didn't play like a team who was being tipped for relegation. Um, Alex Awobi. He's doing what the, a man he's doing the Jolinton I laughed at Everton when they paid us 40 million and obviously 40 million for Awobi is probably still a bit too much but he's turned into probably arguably their most important player yeah I think his sort of experience especially with uh, is it Onana 
yeah oh he looked good yeah, yeah having that sort of guy next to you who can like talk you through it a bit and then yeah you know it's, even though he's not even playing in, in his natural position he's playing in the in the middle of the park yeah yeah he, he's done so very well and having that guiding figure next to a player with such talent like Anana is brilliant Anana's got legs mate He he's like the machine the engine that will go up and down the pitch winning the ball back defending well getting into the box with last minute runs and then you've got Owobi next to him who can we didn't know this about him, especially from his time at Arsenal, but he's very good at dictating the game, like the tempo of the game. He can slow the game down when his team are under the cosh a little bit. He can speed it up if he knows, oh, this team are here for the taking. He's quite good at reading the game, I think. And I think you get that after like playing under Arsene Wenger and playing at Arsenal for a while. I feel like your football IQ is probably quite good because you probably learn a lot from he's Arsene Wenger. He's probably just ingrained into you, but I mean, he... Like you look at him and you're thinking, oh, it's a Wobi. He's like that explosive wing. He'll try to take a man on and get a ball into a box or something. And now you look in maybe players see with that a bit of maturity, and now, it's yeah. and it's like actually he's a far more mature. Yeah, he's and, definitely matured. Yeah, and he's a different player to the one that you expect to play against. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I like that's it. excellent. Um, strange one at the beginning of the game though. Before the game even started, no Robertson in the starting eleven. Yeah, Simicass, who I like to be fair. I like Simicass, but. It comes down to the midfield for me. Mm. Like, why Liverpool are struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. You can't and keep playing James Milner and Jordan Henderson together. I don't think Harvey Elliott is a, an attacking midfielder. I don't think he's better out wide. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I just... I mean, I don't want to judge Liverpool without having their full team there. Full team, yeah. But even the back four just doesn't look to be like the same we've nah. seen for years. Trent... I, know, I think he's still got the most like progressive passes for like a right back in the league uh, or like uh, chances created from the, that position but um, it's not as killer as, as it has been nah their and play I don't know doesn't whether that, zip as much yeah Liverpool used to just go from defence to attack like that yeah the trans- but it would transition through the midfield but it was so seamless that it was that was it and I don't know and they're really struggling against a team that um, have a low block really struggling to yeah. break through like a low defensive line maybe the introduction of someone like Jota will help that because he's a bit more dynamic in terms of where he's going to pick up positions he's moving to the half space is much more than Nunez who's very much more direct in yeah, terms yeah. of the runs he makes so having that to break up a, like a centre-back pairing will help but how can you spend that much money on a striker and then you just is pretty yeah. useless when it comes to playing against a team with a low block. Yeah, they so, should have addressed problems elsewhere. I think. I think even if you play like a holding midfield with like Henderson and like Fabinho, and then you play Fabinho in the ten roll, mm. and then you have like Luis Diaz out on the left, the yeah. center on the right, and then it just in front of Firmino you have Nunez because Firmino is very good. He could literally be a number ten. Yeah, yeah. He, like his his one twos and his ability to like sort of drop into space yeah, is very good. He could work the ball like, like one the one of the best false nines probably the Premier League's ever seen. Yeah, yeah. is his impact on the game. Um, but yeah, stinky result for Liverpool. Great result for Everton. Um, thumbs up for Everton. Thumbs down for Liverpool. Bang bang bang. Bosh. You see, apparently, um, someone at the Everton game threw a bottle at Jurgen Klopp. You like that? I like Jurgen Klopp, man. I don't like him. It gets on my tits, mate. It's just complaining all the time. Um, he does have his excuses. He does. He, he does. does. Another banger of a game, though. 5-2 to Brentford. Ivan Tony show. Let's talk about Ivan Tony first. Get him in the England team. I tweeted about this. Is he an outside shout 
for the England squad for the World Cup. Who's better than him? You got Harry Kane. You got Sammy Abraham. I'd say them too. Do you? Would you take? And then like, what annoys me now is there's players that like. Is Marcus Rashford going to get back into the squad after a couple of good games? I mean, if you play as like he did this weekend consistently, then potentially. Because there's players that arguably like. So I saw um, Chris Willock. Oi, oi. I saw Gary Southgate come out and say that Harry Maguire's place in the England team isn't in jeopardy because of his lack of May United playing time. That is like the, the last thing I want to hear as, a, as an England fan, yeah. as an Englishman. It's like, the last thing I want to hear. Sack off Harry Maguire, get in Ivan Tony. I'm not being funny yet, but Harry Maguire's had a stinky last season. He yeah. didn't have a great season the season before that either. And I know he's not the worst player for England and his England performances have been good like overall. Yeah. But I do not want that man starting as my centre back. Especially in the if World he Cup. hasn't played a game for Man United for fucking by the time the World Cup it'll be a, like a few months. We all talk about the United game, but he came on and literally got a yeah, card immediately. I, I was I, I I think I tweeted like we you might they might lose four three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was he very came scary. On, got a yellow and then bundled Saka down in the it box. It could have been a penalty, yeah. And I was like, what a cameo from the boy. But yeah, back to Ivan Tony. Two decent goals and then a free kick that was fucking mental. He's just he, he just he looks good. like as far as like I don't want to be that guy but like he seems like a level or two above Brentford oh 100% he could be like a top six team player Brentford lost Christian Eriksen yeah yeah and they managed to keep um, Tony and then to a lesser extent Mbomo who is also a very impressive he turned player. up recently Mbomo yeah yeah no I mean he, he's never like ghosted yeah he's never like not been there he obviously I think he was a bit of a crossbar merchant last season <laughs> but um, you can see he's he's got enough about him. Yeah, he makes like, you know if you're a defender, you've had a long day I mean, you in come the, up against him. In the championship, they had Tony, Mbomo, Mope, Watkins, Ben Rama. Stacked, yeah. And like, out of those players right now, Tony and Mbomo are, are a level above all three of them. Yeah, better than Mope, no doubt about it. Ben Rama hasn't really kicked on. Who else did you say? Ollie Watkins, yeah, he's a... Uh, he's so hot or cold. Yeah, big time. So yeah, I'd agree. I'd have... Um, I definitely have Tony over all of them. I don't know about him both. What but. was it about this game that led to Leeds conceding five goals? Were Brentford just that good? So what happened is Leeds, I think they've had this problem even during their time for Bielsa, is the defence is like, they press so hard that all you need to do is one decent ball over the top. Especially when you've got players like uh, in Burmo who, who get just behind. run onto everything. Exactly that. So basically, a couple of the goals just came from Leeds trying so like three or four of their players so they do the press quite well they get like three or four players around very, the ball it is very organised but if you've got players that are smart enough on the ball to if you're getting closed down by three just ping it down in either corner of the pitch and get the runners on it so a couple of goals were just Leeds pressing the ball and then long balls over the top of the press and Ivan Tony would win the knock on and Mbomo would chase the knock on and score and that happened a couple of times Leeds scored a couple Sinistera's goal was nice think he's a player he's a very good but player. for me Leeds's recruitment this summer was good and quite exciting in departments um they had good players Brendan Aronson Sinistera blah 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 but they haven't addressed their defense which in my opinion was their biggest issue even losing Rafinha and Calvin Phillips like you want to replace the firepower losing, and losing you want to like replace Calvin your Phillips best midfielder well, it, that impacts the defense defense has always been their problem and they haven't really recruited in that department because Calvin Phillips was so good that he was almost like a Extra fifth defender, defender yeah, yeah 100% right in the middle of the park yeah um, 
But yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried if I'm Leeds because nah, I feel like got the way you play is going to lead to you having results like this. Like you're going to occasionally ship like a three or four or even five goals. Yeah, you'll batter Chelsea 3-0 and then you'll lose 5-2 to Brentford. But yeah, and it's still early doors under Jesse Marsh. Yeah. Um, and you've got some really exciting young players in. So I, I wouldn't be more too But worried. really good result for Brentford. And I'd, worry, I'd be worried when the fucking bigger dogs come sniffing around Ivan Tony because get him in the England squad because he's a player um, Newcastle Crystal Palace was nil-nil there was dodgy refereeing calling that I don't actually want to talk about this game because it's just going to get me annoyed about the referees Mate, but, but you, a bit but of a stinker of it a was game. just a lot because Mitchell fouled him and then it bounced off him yeah so he like pushed one of his own players into um, the Newcastle player it's just all a mess like, it's, yeah it's, yeah I but um, that was a bit of an actual board draw, to be fair. The next game... Was not. The championship battle. Well, I said that when we were previewing this game, I was like, didn't Bournemouth always get the better of the two in the championship? And then when it started off, so if you didn't see the game, it was 3-2 Bournemouth, but Nottingham Forest were 2-0 up. I brought uh, Gibbs White into my fantasy and I was like, got an assist. I was like, oh, this could oh, yeah, be 4-5-0. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2-0 early doors. I had a bet on them to win. And luckily, I got cashed out at 2-0 up. So I was like, happy days. But um, yeah, Bournemouth at halftime. So I can't remember the name of their standing manager. Is something O'Neill? I might have pulled that out of my ass. Something uh, I, don't, I don't remember. But um, he must have got the absolute hairdryer treatment out because fuck me. They came out second half. With a vengeance. And Dom Solanke looked really good. Solanke did look really good. I think he is a step above Kiefer Moore to me, for me, to be honest. Yeah, him, goal from Billing, that was really good. That Billing strike, yeah. So for me, I'd be very happy with that if I was a Bournemouth I kind of fan. feel like, I don't, I don't, I think they played far above that level in the second half. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think we, we might even see that level again from them. I think the it's just league. a case of like, if you're one of the just promoted teams, you kind of earmark the other promoted teams as like matches where if you can get six points against one of the other promoted teams and six points against the other promoted, that's twelve points that especially against they don't well, get as well. It could be twenty four points effectively, like because you're deducting that from exactly. There. So, um, but yeah, like, you've got to earmark those games as like we fucking need to get hundred percent. That's that going to be my next point. Is yeah. like the mentality in this game is like we played them last season exactly. We beat them we can do it again yeah, and like it's like oh they're in the same boat as us they've just come up but um, it's a response after Scott Parker getting shipped out so yeah I mean first manager out I'd be very very surprised if they actually pull a result like that out of the bag again especially coming from 2-0 down but uh, that's the beauty of the game it you is never know. it is um, but yeah who they got? who have they got next week oh they got Brighton potentially managerless Brighton potentially, potentially. if all the rumours are true that um, Potter is in London at the moment discussing discussing terms. Scary times if you're a Brighton fan. Oh, next one. London, London Derby. Derby. Yeah, boy. At uh, Spurs' lovely new stadium. 2-1 to Spurs against Fulham. You got this on the money, didn't you? I think you predicted 2-1. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure. that So we had a bit of a stinker, but I think you got that one correct on the money. I think I've had quite a few. Yeah, you have. I think you're pulling ahead. Um yeah, Spurs looked quite good, actually. I've said that they looked a bit ropey in most of their games this season. And this game was probably a step up from that. They weren't um, convincing the whole game. They weren't electric, no. When they went 2-0 up, um, Fulham came onto them and Spurs did look like they were shitting it a little bit. Mitro scored an absolute banger. 
and he just is good i think if that game ran like an extra 10 minutes it would have been too all because like the last 20 minutes of the game was just all full in a full and peppering i saw a charleston scored a goal took his top off and then got given disallowed got what a clown as well, what a yeah. clown but um, I think do you know what if you're a Spurs fan you're happy with that result because that yeah, is yeah. Fulham are looking like a very tidy outfit they're looking yeah, like one of the better promoted sides in recent years definitely um, out of the three that come up this season they're on the best form and looking the best yeah 100% they've got a really tidy squad yeah. and if Mitro's firing like he is I, I think they'll be well out of a relegation battle Um, if you're a Fulham fan I wouldn't be too worried about this result I say that a lot about teams that lose but <laughs> it, 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 don't it's worry, a, mate. It's, it's, it's a very stacked Spurs team, yeah, and who on their day can turn up and just obliterate teams. We know it can happen. We haven't really seen it in the Premier League this season. Apparently, Leno had like an absolute belter of a game, which you love to see from the boy. Yeah, um, he's a great shot stopper. Yeah, we, so. we knew that. Um, but yeah, just that's a good result for Spurs. I think Spurs will be happy, and I think Fulham won't be too worried. But they've got a big game this coming up this weekend against Chelsea. They do indeed. Managerless Chelsea. So and Spurs have got City big game oh, a, be some belters this uh, weekend but we'll discuss that in our predictions Wolves fans we've been mugging you off for not scoring goals and then whenever Wolves come up in the uh, results it's normally nil-nil and we're like should we talk about Wolves and we're like nah fuck that and we skip them and we probably could do that this this one because it was only a 1-0 and it was a bit of a stinker of a game but 1-0 um, we'll get- you scored a goal you love to see it um, they needed that. What was they a bit of an L though is they signed that striker, the six foot, a million size ACL, isn't it? Dot, he pulled his ACL like straight away, and now they're linked with Diego Costa, Diego Costa, and Andy Carroll, mate. But, so Costa's uh, work permit got denied, and then it got accepted. They appealed and it got accepted. Yeah. So he's, I think, if so Andy Carroll's back to being a free agent. Yeah, get him to QPR. We were actually very <laughs> remotely linked with him on the deadline day. Uh, but um, yeah, no, good was good result for Wolves. I think that's is that their first win. Might be their first win of the season against yeah. Southampton team that have had a couple of decent results. So Southampton are looking much more stable than I've seen them in previous years. Yeah, um, they're looking. They look like they have a bit more of a solid foundation in terms of how they're approaching games. Um, One of the so youngsters they got from Man City, a dozy. He looks like a player. Fandabadozy. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm liking. He he had the most take ons in the Premier League this weekend, and I oh, think he only played on. for like the tw- last twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Which is what you Crazy. love to see out of a winger. Um, but yeah, uh, not really m- too much more to say about it. Would you say if you're a Southampton fan, don't worry. No, I'd be really worried. <laughs> you conceded to Wolves. I'd be fucking... Yeah, that's true. I'd be... That's true. Straight down to the church, mate, praying. <laughs> praying that we don't care. Oh, dear. No, nah, no. Nah, don't be worried. Um, we'll uh, round off this little segment with the Villa City game. Yeah. We'll take a break. And then yeah. we'll be back. But yeah, Villa City... Who, who would have predicted this? I think you said 3-0, I said 4-0. I think everyone, everyone I spoke L, to I'd said it's going to be 4, L. 5, 6. Yeah. Harlan scores... And well, another another uh, VAR decision this game. Well, when you think Carlin scored like early doors in the game, you must be thinking it's going to be an absolute peppering. Especially, and it just didn't happen. Villa looked quite good. And Man City, they looked all right. But I saw them, so they played Sevilla last night. And I swear they had like 70% possessions. I think Sevilla had one shot on goal. That's what you expect from Man City when they play a team a couple of tiers below them just sheer dominance they don't even let the op- opposition have the ball and that's what you were expecting when they played Villa but Villa played well they got about 
Bailey scored a good goal. Um, yeah, I I don't know what happened to Villa. I think, and then so they scored late on. Yeah, Coutinho, but he yeah. come from an offside position, and then but he, he gets off. the ball. But it, like it, it was contentious as to when the passage of play starts mm. for the offside, and then he I, I think the shot is deflected, but it's a great strike anyway. Yeah, and then you're thinking, hold up, that's two one to Villa. Yeah, could have bought Gerard another six months in the job. Yeah, Villa fans are probably fuming. <laughs> but another contentious uh, decision. Yeah, no, so but many poor decisions. If you're a Man City fan, don't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say something. I think what Gerard did well that game is obviously they've had like back to back to back to back shitters of results. And um, what he did is obviously he like created a bit of a siege mentality amongst um, the Villa boys. And he was like, nobody expects us to get a result here. So just go out and play your game. And I think once you do that to a team that are. Uh, quite like lost it like unites them all and I think that's what he did quite well quite smart that game is that he was like you got to win the mentality like, battle as opposed to the actual 100% it was a bit like us against the world kind of you're not going to you're not going to beat Man City in terms of te- in technical play or out, exactly. out, outsmart them but you can win the mental battle and, and they were winning first ball second yeah. balls they were crunching into tackles they were they were there for the game yeah I think that's what Gerard did well and um, yeah he's bought himself some more time in my opinion 100% but um yeah, just who would have thought Man City won, Villa won, never. Hate never it. mind. But Hate all right, we'll take a little break and we'll be back to round off with Sunday's fixtures and then into our predictions. Let's go, Let's go. Back again for Sunday's fixtures. Oh, what a what a way to start off Sunday. Brighton five to Leicester City. Good game. Brighton, Graham Potter. You can see why Chelsea won him. Honestly, so it started. The game started with a Leicester goal in like the second minute of the game, and everyone was a bit like, "Oh, what's happening here?" Then, but then Brighton just went on crud, and they were just scoring some lovely goals. The build-up play, I think that's one thing that Graham Potter probably doesn't get commended for enough. He always is like, "Oh, we get loads of shots, we're getting," but his like passages of play are always very technical, and I think that comes from it's straight off the training ground. It's textbook. Pascal Gross and Trossard. I think I like the term football IQ and players that have good football IQ and players that don't have good football IQ. And you can see them from a mile off players that do and don't. But I think what Graham Potter does is he gets players that have good football IQ and puts them in very vital positions in the pitch. They dictate the way the game is going to be played. And so he he allows Pascal Gross and Trossard to not really have fixed positions on the pitch, he trusts them enough with their football IQ. To, so they'll know to be in the right positions at the right that time. That they can go and affect the game where they want without that, having too much kind of to tie them down. In turn, it really hampers uh, opposition players because yeah, they can't. They they have to go, right, do I track this guy? And then Trossard or Grosh goes, oh, he's tracking me. I want to pull him out and create yeah. the space in behind for players like Welbeck yeah, 100%. or uh, McAllister's getting. It's like what Kevin De Bruyne does. Obviously, they're not as good as Kevin De Bruyne, but to have two not-so-good Kevin De Bruyne's roaming around the front front edge of the pitch, yeah. it's just a problem because, like you said, the defenders, Kevin, that's what Kevin does so well. He'll like go from the right-hand side to the left-hand side, affect the game of the left, then go deep into the centre mid and then go back out to the left. And that's what Gross and Trossard are doing there just floating around the pitch, causing havoc in different areas. So when a team kind of figures out they're in this area, they'll like overcompensate there and leave space elsewhere. And Brighton are really good at, at the moment, taking advantage of all the space that and teams are And Leicester are very bad at defending that sort of play. Defensively, Leicester are shambolic, mate. Brendan Rodgers could be on his way out. I think, and he, he I, think, probably, I think 
by on it's brought time. It's time to go. But um, he's on brought time. Yeah, borrowed time. Let's just one. talk about that McAllister goal. Alexis McAllister. It's a bit the most player. most Chilean Scottish man you ever met. Most ginger Argentinian. Don? He's, oh, he's Argentinian. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you saw a tweet where it's like. Um, so it was from a news article in Argentina from when McAllister got called up for the Argentinian squad. And apparently he told Messi to make sure that everyone stops bullying him for being ginger. <laughs> but um, yeah, he scored an absolute fucking screamer. Probably like the best goal of the season already. But it got disallowed. And that would have been his hat trick as well. Which I think sometimes rabid. you just got to allow goals like that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's 5 2. Yeah, it's, well, it's 4 2. Put him out of the misery, just, mate. Like, what's the harm, man? But yeah, no, Brighton looked really good. My only fear, and this has been my fear for Brighton for a while, is if you lose Graham Potter. Because recruitment wise, I've never had a fear that if they lose a player, um, like, so obviously they've lost Ben White, Basuma, Kukurella, all these big names. And I've never been like, shit, if they lose that Don, they're going to be up for relegation. Their, their recruitment's so good, they're so well run that I would always like look past that. But Graham Potter, if they lose him, that's could where be sticky. it gets scary. Yeah, it could be sc- um, sticky situation. And I think his release clause is only sixteen million, which is absolute pittance like, for Chelsea in, in, yeah, in the mate. game of football. Yeah, I know it's a lot for a manager, but <laughs> Chelsea. It, is I nothing, mean, what sixteen million buy you now? Yeah, exactly. Richarlison's like left leg now, literally. Um, oh, are, you, are you ready? Do you want to talk about the next one, or should oh, we skip should it? We just leave it there, mate. Thanks, guys, for watching. Yeah. So, Arsenal, the Dons, top of the league, unbeaten, ventured up to Old Trafford for the final game of the weekend. And we lost 3-1. Right. On to the predictions for next week. (laughs) I'm joking. So, basically... Do you know what, yeah? Arsenal were good. Arsenal were very, very good. So, there was, like, a few segments of the game that kind of in my opinion, were like the main kind of key moments. Man United started off with a better team. For the first quarter of an hour, they were pinging it around. We looked a bit shell-shocked. And then we took control of the game for like a couple of minutes. And then one of another of the most fucked VAR kind of um, decisions of the weekend happened. Odegaard tackles Ericsson, who goes down like a sack of shit, barely got touched. And then from that, Odegaard plays it to Martinelli. Martinelli goes in and scores. They pull it back and allegedly Odegaard has fouled Ericsson. In my humble opinion, Ericsson was going down before Odegaard even touched him and Odegaard barely touched him. And so the goal should have stood. I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said that. I think even That's Gary Neville... That's you don't want to be taking opinions from. He just got sacked yeah, for Yeah, he just sacked for Burt. Especially because he's always doing punditry. It's like he's never actually doing Why his job. Why is he a pundit when he's literally just... Absolutely, he fucked up QPR, yeah? Yeah. And he went back to Burton after signing... He went from Burton to QPR, back to Burton, and he's just had a stinker. I think he's got the lowest win percentage in QPR managers in the last, like, 30 years. <laughs> and, like, he done well at Burton to come to QPR. Yeah. And he went back there and stunk up again. The geezer's a fraud. I don't know why he's always doing punditry when he's a manager. Like, go manage your fucking team, mate. <laughs> your bottom of a league. But, like, even Gary Neville was backing the decision that it shouldn't have been a foul. And you know when you've got a Man United um, fan saying that there's, like, a decision to be made. And also, I saw this tweet where it's like, so Graham Sooness came out and said it was a foul. But two weeks ago, when Chelsea and Tottenham were battering each other, and he was like, we've got our game back. It's a man's game. It's a game. man's game. It was okay when Chelsea and Tottenham were fucking battering each other, but when um, Odegaard barely touches Everton, he's happy for that to be a... a, a touches Everton, touches Ericsson, he's happy for that to be a foul. 
Make it make sense. Anyway, so that was kind of like the tipping point of the game because I think if that goal had stood, we would have probably run away with the game at that point because Man United, in my opinion, their mentality is still a bit like they could capitulate at any moment like they did at Brentford, like they did at Brighton. So I think if we got that goal given, we would have peppered them a bit. But they scored Anthony on his debut. Great finish. Uh, that's happy days if you're Great a main fan that's, to see your new man score. That goal comes from Rashford's positioning because Anthony's playing so far out wide. Rashford drops really in and like they sort of like press over to the left-hand side of the pitch. Anthony's in yards of space. And because he's an inverted winger on the right, he's left-footed. Yeah. He like, I think Ramsdale's expected him to go yeah, like, near post. Way. Or uh, yeah, he dives the wrong way, and it, like the way Anthony opened up his body, it's a great finish. Yeah, uh, he did like six different celebrations in one celebration. Yeah, he did like a, a raw one, which is a he bit done the baby pregnancy bit one, cringe for my liking. But each yeah, their own. I mean, I just he's just getting two footed, isn't he? Mate, I hope someone absolutely chops him down. Get fucking, I don't know. I thought Rashford and Ericsson were Rashford very good. and Ericsson. Yeah, I agree. Both of them had uh, very good games. Ericsson, I think. He's going to go under the radar as like probably one of the best signings of the summer for a free because he seems to any game that may not do well in, like we were talking about with Awobi, but obviously a lot better than Awobi. He's very good at dictating the tempo of a game. He's he's been brilliant as their number six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which really I didn't has. think he had in him, but I think alongside Scott McTominay, who is playing well at the moment, and then when Casemiro eventually gets into the team, Scott McTominay. I want to talk about him for a second. He fucking gets away with murder every like, single game. He's mate. a bit like Fernandinho in that way. Little like, scumbag. I don't know how he doesn't get If it was Granite Shackers, he did one tackle on Saka where he literally like uh, on Gabriel Jesus where he literally grabs him around the waist and like bundles him over. And I was like, if that's Granite Xhaka, he's getting deported, mate. But um, Arsenal equalise. Good goal from Arsenal. Yeah, that's the one where um, Jesus is on Martinez and then like he... Sort of like does like his weird fool thing and fool comes out to Saka and it's a great finish. And then I think what happens here is a bit of so a bit of rush of blood to triple the sub. head for Arteta. Yes, the triple sub. I think everybody obviously now that you've got five subs, there's probably like a whole new kind of learning curve of when is like the right time to do a sub and how many subs do you do it each time. Blah blah blah. But I think Arteta had a bit of a rush of the blood to the head. So we were dominating from from the moment May United scored their goal to the moment that we scored to this triple sub. You we keep were just it the same. dominating or you, or you them. Twink, you tweak it like one like a little bit. Yeah. We were peppering them. We, like, they couldn't even get near us. You make this triple sub, you take out pretty much our, the entire midfield and put on uh, Fabio Vieira, Smith Rowe, and Eddie. And there's just no presence in the midfield. So if we're not peppering their goal, which we were at that point, but if we're not for any moment and they get the ball, all they need to do is one smart pass through the middle. There is no midfield. And there's no, yeah, there's no one there. And they and we did saw that. that for the Rashford so goal. we're peppering them. Ericsson gets the ball, has like a moment too long to think about his pass, just plays it straight through the middle to Rashford and he's in. And that's what happens when... You make a triple sub. You don't give your team time to kind of be like, oh, he's gone. He's come in. Talk to each other. You just put three new players on the pitch. You're like, where the fuck am I supposed to stand right now? You don't allow the players to to 
get into the game like you're, you're expecting three players to instantly be into the game yeah match speed nah. like, match speed yeah it's not especially because like Fabio Vieira that was like his first I think he's made like another 10 minute cameo but that's like his first proper cameo I don't think he looks really fully fit though no uh, and he's injured he's injured again, again yeah. now but um, um, yeah I think you just triple sub in a game like that at um, that point in time I think it was just a bit of naivety from uh, Arteta and that comes he's still a young manager still trying to learn his trade I think, but um, that for me was a game that we could have laid down a marker we could have peppered them about four or five but United, a bit of naivety stuck to their plan I think naivety at the wrong time let us down you're seeing a good partnership forming between Martinez and Varane yeah I think Martinez I've heard this a couple of times now he's a player you just don't want to play against because he is ratty and he might lose out in like a couple of challenges or something I think he'll but, get red carded but then he season. will then he will come back at you and it, it will hurt yeah um, but he's very good as well especially on the ball you can see a lot of Ten Hag's passages of play coming into fruition now yeah yeah um, they're, they're passing the ball around nicely they're transitioning from that, that defence to attack in just great speed. Yeah, the uh, first really quarter now where they were battering us, really catching. They they were doing some good play, and then we kind of took control of the game. But for the first quarter of an hour, you could see um, why Man United fans are probably looking on the brighter side of things now because there is starting to be those glimpses, like you say, of Ten Hag ball that seem quite positive. Yeah, and if Rashford uh, can keep firing, back in the England squad, maybe perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Fucking well, that rounds up. Uh, that game week wow what, what an eventful game week yeah. yeah move on to some predictions uh, we'll take a little break have to get the mystic ball out again for some more correct results yeah he did well last time to be fair prediction time <laughs> baby <laughs> let's go we start with a, a London derby and maybe a managerless Chelsea maybe a Potter in charge Chelsea maybe a Pochettino in charge Chelsea who the fuck knows but they are going to Fulham very oh, very good Fulham yeah. very very good Mitro's on fire and Chelsea are not on fire. They maybe Chelsea no Chelsea are like there is. Do you know that dog meme where it's like this is fine and he's surrounded by fire. Yeah. That is Chelsea. But um, yeah, good game. I think I think I think Chelsea. There's always like a new manager bounce, blah blah blah. But I think Fulham at no home manager bounce. I think Fulham at home are gonna wanna kind of stomp on Chelsea's neck, and I'm about that. Who would have thought about at the beginning of the season we'd be saying that? Um, Go on, throw us your prediction. 2-1 Fulham. 2-1 Fulham. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Very nice. Okay. One-all draw. And so, if Potter does go to Chelsea, we've got Bournemouth versus Brighton. Well, no manager. manager. Who the fuck knows? No <laughs> manager. And then Bournemouth don't no have manager. So, maybe we should we go manage them too. You go Bournemouth. I'll have Brighton, please. Oh, okay. But um, um, yeah, what but are you yeah, saying? This is this is a, uh, an interesting one because Bournemouth off the back of a really good win against Forest, South Coast battle, and Ooh. Brighton off of a very very um, dominating victory against Leeds. Yeah, I just can't see Bournemouth being able to deal with the setup, especially if Potter's still there. I don't know whether the rumours around Potter leaving will affect Brighton's camp too much. Yeah, that's interesting. But uh, I think I'm going to go for a two 0 Brighton. Two 0 Brighton. That's a good shout. I'm going to go. I'm going to assume surely Potter's still in the job. On Saturday, they can't be that quick a turnaround. I'm gonna go three nil Brighton. Three nil. Yeah, always one up in me, man. That's me. Leicester, Aston Villa, Midlands. Oh, Put the mid in game. Midlands. Oh, not even mid, man. Just <laughs> shit. Um, I'm gonna go for a two all draw. Two all draw. That'd be a good game, you know. 
I, um, I think he's going to come off the back with just terrible defending. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like Both teams going forward have got decent assets. And especially if Leicester start Iheanacho and Pats and Daka again, that combo, I know they got batted 5-2, but Iheanacho and Daka were probably like the two best uh, Leicester players on the pitch. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 Leicester. Yeah, I, I was tempted to go for a Leicester win, but... Would that be their first win? They haven't, I think they're all losses so far, aren't mm-hmm. they, Leicester? Oh, that's a nightmare. Uh, Liverpool, who are on pretty sus form. I've seen people already write them off for top four. Against the Wolves, who don't concede many, but can't really score a goal for this to save their life. Mm. Uh, ooh, ooh. I think I'm going to go for a Liverpool win. Yeah, same, I think. And I think... Oh, do you know what? I think I might go for a 3-0 Liverpool. 3-0, yeah. It's a good result. It's at Anfield as well. Mm-hmm. I could yeah, want to bounce that. back after that draw against Everton. I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool. I think Wolves are going to score. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I wish I could trust that Liverpool back line, but and they've got um, Champions League tonight. So yeah, legs, legs, yeah, yeah. legs. Three uh, one. I'm going. Yeah. I think it's, the next game could be quite interesting. You've got Southampton versus Brentford. That's a that's a tricky one, you know. Brentford obviously off of a fantastic result. Yeah, Southampton obviously off a, a loss to Wolves. But um, am I right in thinking Lavia is injured? Potentially, I, I, I know Joe Rebo is so Southampton could be a bit light. Potentially, yeah. Um, what you got? I think I'm going to back Brentford. I think I'm going to go for a one-nil Brentford. I think I'm going to go for a draw. What kind of draw? I think I'm going to go for a nil-nil draw. Oh, bore draw, mate. Let's go. Going on to arguably the best game of the weekend: Manchester City champions against Tottenham. Haven't been champions for fucking ever. Spurs are always a bit of a sticky but team for City. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And City, obviously, they've got Champions League. I know Spurs have got Champions League as well. So we could see a little... Like, I don't think rotation in terms of like the, the actual strength. I know Kulisevsky didn't start the last no. game. No. And he hasn't started tonight. And obviously, City battered severe, so they had like time to drop Haaland at like 60th Foden minutes. As well. Foden, Cancelo Kevin. playing right back looked dangerous. So I think... Man City, even though they play Champions League, have got a day longer to rest. Akanji looked good as well. Akanji looked really good. They've got a day longer to rest and a deeper squad that got rested earlier in the game. So for me... And they have a midfield. For me, I'm going City to pepper them, especially after that Villa result. I think Pep's going to be on crud. I'm going to go for a 3-0 Man City. Oh, 3-0. I think I'm going to go for a 3-1 Man City. Okay. okay. I think Harry Kane's going to see Haaland and be like, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, literally. I think that's the that could be the golden boot clash right there. My boys, my boys, my boys. After that L on the Odegaard touching Everton. Let's go. But we've got um Europa League tomorrow night, so who knows, mate? Who knows? I know we we've taken a lot of kids on the the flight to Zurich. Oi oi, fair enough. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I think we'll be fine rotation wise unless we have like a naughty injury but we'll hope not I think we dominate them at the end of last season I know they were on like a, a bit of a ropey time but and we'd already lost out in Champions League at this point but our final game of the season was against Evan I think we beat them like 4-0 5-0 and I don't think it's going to be much different from that I think we're going to pepper them again I think we played them pre-season and peppered them I'm going to go for a 3-0 Arsenal yeah, I think, like you said, I think you've got way too much for them. Um, they played obviously very well against Liverpool, yeah, I, but I think you're a different kettle of fish in terms of how you beat oppositions. Mm. Liverpool, 
very direct whereas you have more than enough tools in the likes of Odegaard, Martinelli yeah. and Saka and, and I think Jesus. they were probably overly up for the um, Merseyside derby oh, 100%. and they're not going to get up like but that you but you can unlock a, a low yeah. block easier than Liverpool can they don't have that sort of number 10 who can do yeah. that whereas Odegaard is very very good um, so I'm going to go for a 4-0 Arsenal wow we'd love that we would West Ham and Newcastle both disgustingly done out of goals over the weekend by the scumbags in charge of the referees. This is going to be an interesting game. It, is, it, is, it is. sets because I'm I was unsure about to how good these teams were coming into the season because West Ham sort of fought towards the end of last season. They couldn't really get going at the beginning of the season. They've had yeah a decent draw against Spurs and then unlucky to lose against Chelsea. Newcastle have looked really good at points. Isaac's looked really good. Um, St. Maxman's been on fire. I think this could be a really... Huh? Injured now. Yeah, I know. So I think this could be a really interesting game. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a three-all draw. Wow, we'd love that. That'd be the first game we talk about. Well, look, draws this week, you know. I I think... I think West Ham, they're playing tomorrow night as well. So there could be an element. And I don't think West Ham have a super deep squad. So there could be a case of a bit of tired legs. And I think Newcastle, in the grand scheme of things, are probably vying for West Ham's place in like the top six, aren't they? So, or top seven. Napoli are 3-0 up against Liverpool. News alert! News alert! Liverpool are 3-0 down to Napoli. Jesus Christ. Oh my God, I said, inside 40 minutes. I said in the preview that fucking Napoli started Serie A really good this season. That's mental. Fucking and, hell. And, and is, is it and at Austin Napoli? And uh, missed the penalty. Bloody hell. What's going on here? That Bloody is... hell. Live reaction from the studio. And Barca 2-1 up. Bayern 1-0 up. And Spurs are 0-0. Cool. Live. Liverpool might have to change my Liverpool prediction. <laughs> but, um, oh my yeah. God. I think in the grand scheme of things, Newcastle are probably vying for West Ham's place in like the top 6-7. 100%. So I think because West Ham have got Europa League and they're flirting with a pretty thin squad I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle I like that I like that um, Palace United and like Spurs are a bogey team for Man, uh, Man City Palace seem to always be a bogey team for Man United Palace are on a bit of a sticky run though they've, they've had back to back draws I mean against the Newcastle side who are very good yeah um, and then um, a Brentford team who are also very good and then they lost against City in a game that they were very hard done by so there's been so many bad referees but like you can have you can have you can have like that run and even though you haven't played badly at all and you probably deserve to pick up points it can maybe get into your mentality you lose that like winning like mentality that yeah that they generate um this could be a really interesting game i think i think i'm gonna go for a three two to crystal palace You'd love to see it. I like that. I think I might buy Palace as well. Or do I? Man United are playing tomorrow night as well. Fucking hell, you forget about that. Midweek games are coming now, so you've got to take that into consideration. Some teams that are going to struggle, maybe. Harry Maguire's going to drop a masterclass and then keep being a start <laughs> A European masterclass. He's going to drop a masterclass in Europe and then come to, come to Palace's to arse and have a toast. I am going to back Crystal Palace as well, actually. I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1. What did you say, 3-2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that. I'd like that. And then to round it all up, Monday night football. This could be a very good game. Leeds, Big clubs. Leeds, a massive club. T- 
top dogs of the English Premier League 20 plus years ago. Nottingham Forest. Champions, Champions of Europe. Europe 20 plus years ago. These are big clubs. They're playing each other back in the Prem. I fancy goals in this. Yeah, I, I fancy think so goals. Well, yeah. Leaky defences and good forwards. That's what makes a... I think I'm going to go 4-2 leads. Just throw it out there. 4-2 leads. I love that. I'm just. Not, I'm going to think. Bosh. 5-1. Why did, I, why did I say that? <laughs> to who? To who? No, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. 5-1 <laughs> to Leeds. 5-1 to Leeds? Nah. Oh, I'm bottling it. Oh, mate. Bottling it. I mean, you might be right. This might be a genius game. Yeah, 5-1. Fuck it. Who cares? You see in the future, man. Oh, you better put a bet on Forest. So, sorry, Nottingham Forest. Forest all over podcast. I apologise. Huh? Oh, he's a player. Player. But yeah, wow. Some some uh, predictions there, man. Yeah, it's been a good week. We've got <laughs> Champions League and that. We love to see it. I'm just frazzled by this Liverpool result right now. Yeah, honestly. We'll we'll do so we'll do like every so often. We won't do it weekly, Champions League, but we'll do like every couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll do like a roundup we'll, we'll occasion. Round up yeah. on like stuff to keep Maybe once once all the like the first four fixtures. Yeah, or exactly the first that, three yeah. and then the next three. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We always do, man. But um standard get involved in the YouTube competition YouTube competition international break is in a couple of weeks time yep so all you got to do is comment on the videos we've got a decent amount of entries but as you know every ent- every comment is another entry so get your comments in yep follow our TikToks we've actually uploaded like unlimited TikToks today TikToks pounding TikToks mate coming get, out. On, get on coming, TikTok coming fast um, YouTube shorts as well Instagram reels just get, get following all the socials yeah, they're all boy. down below man um, but yeah, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, anything you want. It's all love. We love to see it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for watching, guys. Enjoy the football. I'm, I know I will. Yeah, boy. But yeah, thanks so much for watching, guys. It's been Bordro, and it's live.